Father, we come to you and all we have to do is bow down because you are our great defender. And it is so much, so much better your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So today we come to the end of the sermon series that we've called The Path. And in this series, we've learned six things so far. Number one, that your direction determines your destination. Number two, that life is a series of mid-course corrections. Number three, that we shouldn't trust our hearts, but instead we should trust our hearts to God. Number four, reputation matters. So choose the story that you will tell. Number five, that wise people seek counsel. And then number six, we learned that attention determines your direction. I want to thank Jim for the last two weeks in filling in this sermon series. But as we look straight ahead, we don't get distracted by things that will lead us off of the path. So it leads to the question, what do you do when you realize that the destination that you have been trying to achieve is unachievable? That the dream that you had is not going to come true? That the hope that you had is going unfulfilled? What do you do when you find yourself trying to reach a destination that is unreachable. Andy Stanley said this. He said, some destinations are unreachable. Some dreams won't come true. Some dreams can't come true. Some destinations become unreachable because of lifestyle choices. Some are unreachable because of a single decision. Some destinations are out of reach because of mistakes that we have made. Some are out of reach because of decisions others have made. Sometimes we're to blame. Sometimes there's no one to blame. But in time, the reason behind our inability to get where we want to becomes irrelevant. We are where we are. We aren't where we want to be, and that there is nothing that can be done to change that. That everyone someday faces the kind of disappointment at some point. Time is often the culprit. Vince Lombardi, the great coach of the Green Bay Packers, said this, we didn't lose, we just ran out of time. Perhaps with unlimited time, we could make more of our dreams come true. If we could stop the clock, we might be able to reach any destination that we chose. But there aren't any timeouts in life, are there? The clock is always running. At some point, we make the realization that it, whatever it might be for you, is not going to happen for us. In fact, the Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing 
fulfilled is a tree of life. True, isn't it? When you realize that your dream is unreachable, your heart gets sick. It's a natural reaction. We, we ache, we hurt, we wake up gasping in the middle of the night. So the question is, what do you do when you can't reach your destination? First thing is we get heart sick. We hurt. When you're, when you're heart sick, you either stay there and you become bitter, or you can work at it and become better. As a 17-year-old, Joseph had all the dreams in the world. In fact, he had a literal dream that one day he would rule over everyone, including his father and his brothers. But then he found himself in slavery, and the dream died. His heart must have been beyond sick. Daniel, at about the same age, found himself chained to other young Israelites and dragged hundreds of miles into exile into a foreign country. His heart must have been sick. Would he, would he get bitter or would he get better? King David got word one day that his newborn son was going to die. How would he deal with it? The apostle Paul found himself with a physical disease. He called it a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, but it was a handicap that severely limited him. Some believe it was poor eyesight. Imagine struggling to read if your whole life revolved around communicating and writing and, and preaching. Some thought that he had poor knees. Imagine barely being able to walk in a culture that had no planes, trains, or automobiles. Others believed that maybe he had epilepsy. Imagine getting up in front of crowds to speak and then finding yourself suddenly thrown to the ground in uncontrollable seizure. We don't know exactly what it was that Paul had, but he despaired over it. His heart was sick. Then there's Jesus. The Bible said that on the night before he was crucified, he went to the Garden of Eden and he prayed about the kind of death that he knew he was about to face. And he prayed, Father, if there's any way that we could do this without me having to die on the cross, please take this fate from me. He was so anguished about it that he actually sweated drops of blood. So what do you do when your heart's sick? How do you avoid bitterness and work towards betterness? Andy Stanley would go on to say, what you do when your dream, what do you do when your dream can't come true? You can get angry with God, angry with life. You can despair. You can try and make it something happen anyway. You can try and live your dream, maybe through your kids, but at the end of your striving, at the end of your manipulating, nothing has changed. You will be just as far away from whatever it is you desired, but now you will also be far away from God as well. See, the second option is to do what Paul did. 
And we read that in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. See, Paul had had some amazing things happen to him in his life. His highs were really high. But now, he's got a low. He's got a physical ailment that he is going to have to live with for the rest of his life. Painful. It, it certainly is keeping him from fulfilling all of his dreams. So what does Paul do? He prays fervently. Your second step is to pray. Paul prayed fervently three times, it says, but, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is, is made perfect in weakness. Number three, we can listen for God's voice. In the midst of prayer, you see it's possible in the midst of that prayer to hear God's voice. And if it doesn't bring a change, you can sense God almost saying to you, this is going to stay with you. Then find the good in the bad situation. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Paul found a way. He found a way to believe that God's grace was sufficient for him. That God's power would be even better displayed in his weakness, in his physical infirmity. Remember what he said? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. We can accept reality and find the good in it. See, this is a potential section of the path toward betterness. And in fact, Paul continues in this section. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can you imagine doing that? No matter what it is you're going through, no matter how hard it is to praise God, to boast about everything that is wrong with our lives. See, we can use our hardships for God's glory. Whatever it is that Paul had, he determined to use it for God's glory. When Jesus was facing his darkest moments, when he was wrestling with the unreachable destination of staying alive, and avoiding the agony of the cross, he chose this option. In fact, Jesus prayed this prayer, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. See, 
the second time as Jesus sat there in the garden and he continued to pray and he continued to go through the anguish, he prayed a second time about not having to face the inevitable hardship. His prayer changed slightly. He now prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. See, Jesus accepted the reality. He found the good in it and determined to use his hardship for God's glory. See, in this case, for the saving of each and every one of us, for all of mankind. And Proverbs 13, 12 told us this when it said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how sick Jesus' heart must have been in those closing moments before his arrest. He was a man who knew everything, so he knew what was coming. When he saw the, the crowd approaching, he knew what was coming. He knew his hope was going to have to defer to another day, to his resurrection. And some of us, must do that as well. Our hope is deferred because we realize that our dreams probably aren't going to come true. Maybe that we're not going to get married or we're maybe not going to get married again, at least not for a long, long time. Maybe we're probably not going to be able to keep the home, keep the job, or get the promotion that we always wanted or have the kind of health that we assumed would be ours. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. This is the reality of life here on this earth. Earth is earth, not heaven. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. I don't know of a single person who has had all their dreams fulfilled. I suspect it probably wouldn't even be all that healthy if they did. See, there's something about those problems, something about having some dreams not fulfilled that, that softens us a bit. Something that enables us to admit that we are not all that that we claim to be something humbling in a positive way about not having all of our dreams come true. Consider the following verses, but notice the buts in them. John 16, says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. In Romans 8, 28, we've looked at it once before, but it says, and, and, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Joseph's heart was sick. He was a slave and then a prisoner. Then one day he summoned before Pharaoh and his dreams begin to be fulfilled in ways that he could have never imagined. He became prime minister and saved all of Egypt and his own family from starvation. 
he saw his brothers bow down before him saw his father fall to his knees in gratitude to God because his treasured son was alive and doing well see God leaves us with a thorn in the flesh an obstacle or two that we have to learn to trust him and that can be a good thing in itself but sometimes sometimes he does a good thing that is beyond what we could have asked or even imagined i believe that every dead and dying dream is in the hand of god today he knows about your dream he cares about your dream and he cares about you even more he may not restore that dream but never believe that he can't or that he won't you see if it's a truly good for us he can provide you know back when i was young i had a dream of becoming an attorney it was my dream since I was a little kid of being an attorney. But when I was an undergrad, I screwed up. Some of you know the story. I've preached about it from up here. I got myself in trouble, and I thought there was no way I was ever going to become an attorney. I thought the dream was dead. And I even considered just dropping out of school and figuring something else out because being a lawyer was never going to happen you ever sometimes thought about what happens with life choices if you made a different choice if I, if I had dropped out of school if I had given up on that dream of being an attorney I would have never gone to law school if I never went to law school I would never would have met Amy if I never met Amy she was the first Seventh-day Adventist I'd ever met so I, I never would have met or never known what being a Seventh-day Adventist was about and who knows if I had never become a Seventh-day Adventist well I know I wouldn't be standing on this stage right now but would there be a TAF? I don't, I don't know. Sometimes God buries our dreams because it wouldn't be good for us. Sometimes he asks us to bury our own dreams so that he can resurrect them with better dreams. Jesus faced his worst nightmare in going to the cross. There's no dream fulfillment there, only pain. But God took that pain, took that anguish, and made good out of it, the salvation of mankind. God even made good out of it for Jesus. In Philippians, we read this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Remember, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Then in, again, in John 16, looking at it again, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
in the verse that we've been looking at in Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So what do you do? What do you do when your hope gets deferred, when the dreams don't come true, when you're searching for a destination that just seems unreachable? Number one, you get heart sick. It's okay. It's okay to grieve the loss. Number two, you pray fervently. Number three, you listen for God's voice. Number four, you accept the reality and find the good in it. Number five, you can use that hardship for God's glory. And then number six, you can believe that somewhere along your path, God will do something outrageously good for you. See, God loves you, and he wants to bless you. He wants you to experience joy, and he knows that you need hope second part of proverbs 13 12 says but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life what do you do when that longing is fulfilled what do you do when the dream comes true see the israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years they had disobeyed god they had lost their chance to enter the promised land their their dream was dead but then one day, God said to Joshua, let's, let's resurrect that dream. Line the people up tomorrow, and because tomorrow we will cross the Jordan. And in Joshua chapter 4, we read this, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So when your longing is fulfilled, you make sure the people hear the story. The Israelites stacked up some rocks so that whenever anyone saw them, they'd say, what's, up, what's that about? And they'd reply that this was when God showed up. So let me, let me tell you the story. Take a minute. Take a minute and think to yourself, how many of you have a story about when God showed up and fulfilled the longing of your heart? Some of you may be sitting next to the person that is the answer to that prayer. 
Some of you may live in it. Some of you may bear the scars of it. So what do you do with a message like this one? I want to suggest the following thing. Walk through the steps of disappointment. When you get up each day, talk to God. Spend a few moments alone with Him, and then create your own rock of remembrance. Remember one specific instance when God was good to you. Display that rock so that when people see it and they ask about it, that you can tell them the story. Heavenly Father, thank you for the path that you have put us on. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving me, Lord. You gave your life upon that cross, and you made a way for us. Thank you for all that you do for us, because you are our rock of salvation. In Jesus' name.